0: The debate between Pastor Webb and Dr. Bob Morey was presented on station KJSL in St. Louis, Missouri on September 6, 2001. We trust this tape will be a blessing to you and that you will share it with many of your friends. May God bless you.
1: We've got Joseph Webb with us and Dr. Robert Morey. Now uh, most of uh, our listeners know Dr. Morey. He's got a program that is heard on KJSL at 9 o'clock on Sunday night. And uh, you can catch it live, usually. And then we've got uh, Dr. Joseph Webb. And I took that information and put it right here or I wouldn't lose it. Uh, He is uh, an international teacher, seminar speaker, author, and family counselor who can, uh, as it says here, give your audience a better scriptural understanding of marriage and divorce. He's been interviewed on hundreds of radio and TV programs multiple times, including mornings with Tim and Al, always with a phenomenal uh, response, and that is... uh, uh, that is an understatement. Every time we have uh, Dr. Webb on, we get a lot of phone calls. So uh, let's uh, have the two of you uh, say hello to yourselves. and uh, Well, don't say hello to yourself. That's boring. Say hello to each other, and uh, and then we'll uh, let uh, Dr. Webb have uh, five minutes. Good morning, both of you.
0: Good morning. Good
2: morning. Is Robert there? I am here. Okay. <laughs> now, since we have it met, I'll just quickly... Um, Remove any uh, suspicions. I've been married for th- almost 30 years.
3: Well, They're the good. same woman.
2: Good. I for 24 years, and by God's grace, not a single divorce, took place during that period. And that represented, as you know, a lot of counseling and tears and fighting for it. But I do take the uh, Reformation view of marriage and divorce and follow uh, what is called the classic Protestant view. Yes. I hate divorce. I fight against it tooth and nail. Yes. But I must be faithful to what I believe to be the teachings of both the Old and New Testament yes. that God does allow under certain circumstances for that covenant to be broken.
1: All right. Now, Dr. Morey, hang on, buddy, because uh, we're going to give you five minutes afterwards. Uh, we've uh, uh, introduced uh, Dr. Webb. Is there anything that I have missed?
0: Well, first of all, it's not Dr. Webb, it's Pastor Webb. But, I'm
1: so uh, used to saying doctor, what am I going to do? I'm going to put pastor <laughs> in great big letters here, so I'll know.
0: Well, I want to say, first of all, when I read the material concerning Dr. Morey, I was thrilled to see that he was a part of uh, Walter Martin's organization at one time, because Walter Martin to me was uh, just like a spiritual father. If I wanted to find a balance in most positions concerning the Word of God, I could go to Walter Martin. Yep. And I knew him. I would met him personally a couple of times, and uh what a blessing it was and the the work that they're doing is absolutely incredible there has to be some that will stand up for the faith and there are some people who say of course that's uh being antagonistic but uh, paul was antagonistic everywhere when mm-hmm. he went, caused the fight
1: well it's it's uh, walter martin's a good book the kingdom of the cult that turned me into a trinitarian i had real trouble with that doctrine and and he kind of put everything uh in uh in perspective where i could understand it Yes. Well, Doctor Webb, you see, I'm going to do this all day. What they should do is have a chair that gives me an electrical shock every time I call you, Doctor Uh, Pastor Webb. I'm going to go ahead, and uh, you've got five minutes starting right now.
0: Thank you. The position that God has given me, that down through these years, and it wasn't by choice because I was uh, I had a background and training in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, got my degree in theology there, and went on to a Baptist Seminary, uh, General Conference Baptist Seminary in Minnesota and, um, uh, went out into the ministry. I've been in the pastorate now and different pastorates for a total of about 45 years. I've retired from the pulpit and now I travel and do seminars. Uh, while I was in the last pastorate, I was studying for my sermons and time and time again, it would, the verses on marriage and divorce would jump out at me and I would look at them and think, well, I surely don't need these. I had been very happily married with wife and two children and, uh, Uh, yet I'd look at them, and I'd write down what I felt the Lord was trying to tell me about was in that verse, and I'd put it on a shelf above my desk, and this went on for a long time until finally I looked up and saw a big stack of papers up there and took them down and said, Lord, what are you trying to show me? So I went through all those verses, and then I thought, well, I'll just go get some books, all the books in the bookstore on this subject, and I'll read them, and I'll find out what he's trying to tell me. But when I found the books, I found out they weren't saying consistently what the Word of God said if you take them in their historical perspective, Um, And so I found out that the only way that I could do it hermeneutically correct would be to take the clear verses, the verses that all agreed with one another. And I've done that all the way through the Gospels and the Epistles, the verses that would agree and uh, to to establish a biblical position, and that is that marriage is for life. If anyone divorces and remarries while their first partner is still alive, that constitutes adultery, period. And then I found out that the Element of, of repentance was very, very important and was being missed today in the early, from the uh, earlier teaching of our church. Uh, today, if we're sorry, then they, many people say, "Well, that's good enough." But the Bible speaks of being a sorrow unto repentance, and uh, the scriptural position is that I, I feel the Scripture says in the clear verses that marriage is for life. The unclear verses, when translated properly, for example, in Matthew 5 and 19 where it speaks about except to be for fornication. I know that the newer translations from the New Greek texts come out saying that that means adultery, but there are specific times in the New Testament where it is a very narrow use. For example, when Paul said in Galatians 5, be not deceived neither, I mean, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 7, be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate. They are very specific and they are definitely distinct. Uh, In those cases, we have to apply it correctly. And in Matthew 5 and 19, where it says, except it be for fornication, the the, uh, traditional Protestant view, which was originally the Erasmian view, actually says that that means except for adultery, that that breaks the covenant based upon Deuteronomy 24. But God himself and Jesus himself separated themselves from that teaching in Deuteronomy 24. God did it in Jeremiah, the third chapter, when he said, they say, and he quotes Deuteronomy 24 and says, That's not the way I treat you, Israel. You're my wife, and I've given you a bill of divorcement. And if you'll repent and come back, I will take you back because you still are my wife. In other words, they could not break the covenant. They were only violating it. And Jesus and Matthew was speaking concerning a Jewish practice that Joseph and Mary experienced. Joseph thought Mary had committed fornication, and he was going to have to legally divorce her. And uh, the angel said, Don't do that, for that which is in her is of the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus said to the Jews something totally different from the two rabbinical schools in that day that said you could, different reasons why you could get divorced. by the way, in the Old Testament, there was adultery was not grounds for divorce adultery was stoned they stoned them to death if they committed adultery but uh there are those today that will tell you adultery will break it in the New Testament, we are to forgive, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us and I've said to couples can you- can you still love them as your wife or your husband? No Can you love them as your neighbor? No. Well, then you have to love them as your enemy because Jesus commands us to love even our enemies and to pray for them that despitefully use us and realize that God himself says in the book of Hebrews that he will judge the adulterers and the fornicators. Consequently, the church today picked up in the 1500s a teaching by Erasmus that has carried through being the Erasmian view, and Martin Luther in that day said that Erasmus was an enemy of God and His Word. He died without light and without the truth, and he treated Jesus Christ like a court clown, and that um, he stirred up the basest passions of little boys. This was a, a brilliant philosopher living back in that day, but he was also he had some um, he had some immoral areas in his life that distorted him, and he brought forth teaching that was not there before. There were four other teachings before for the first fifteen hundred years that said marriage is for life.
1: Well, that's it. That's uh, that's um, uh, time is up. But uh, hang on, and we're going to get uh, Dr. Morey uh, on with uh, his, uh, his view on all of this, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a, a little time for re- rebuttal. Watch, I'm not going to call you doctor this time. You're, you're <laughs> pastor, Joseph Webb. And you're in uh, Longwood, Florida. We've got uh, Dr. Morey in uh, Orange, California, coming up on uh, just a couple of moments here on Mornings with Tim and Al, where Dr. Moray is uh, with us. And uh, you heard, uh, well, I was going to say you heard what... Uh, Joseph Webb said, but uh, actually before we, because uh, we, I'm going to give uh, uh, Mr. Webb an opportunity to, uh, to respond to, to you and you to, uh, uh, to Mr. Webb, uh, Robert Morey, it is your turn. You have five minutes as of right now.
2: I approach the whole issue of marriage and divorce from the standpoint of the biblical world and life view. In my book, Introduction to Defending the Faith, I develop the biblical world and life view of creation, fall, and redemption and apply it to marriage. And, of course, they call 1-800-41-TRUTH to get a hold of the book because five minutes isn't enough time. But looking at marriage and divorce, divorce from the standpoint of creation, fall, and redemption, creation explains the origin, nature, and dignity of marriage, the fall of man into sin, explains why divorce happens and where it came from. Redemption provides hope for broken marriages where you can actually redeem the situation by the grace of God. Looking at the scriptures, you find that marriage is a creation ordinance set up by the Creator for all of humanity, and this is found in Genesis 2 and in Hebrews 13.4. Thus, it is not a sacrament to the Roman Catholic Church And I reject uh, utterly the idea that it is a seal and then you have to go through all the legal wranglings of of annulments and things of that nature. Three, it is a covenant or social contract in which one man enters into a relationship with one woman, hopefully for one of life. They leave their parents, set up their own household. Uh, This covenant sanctifies their sexual union and the children it produces, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 14 The duties and responsibilities of the husband and wife are set forth in Scripture, such as Ephesians 5. Uh, The marriage covenant could be broken by divorce. In Ezra 9 and 10, God himself commands mass divorce. So he states that all of those Jews who had married non-Israeli women had to divorce them and to send the uh, wives and their children out of the country, and the marriage was broken completely according to God's command. Now, under the Old Covenant, Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, is indeed the most important passage. Now, the wife, it says that divorce can be granted, uh, but the wife is protected from frivolous divorce because the man had to produce a certificate of divorce which made it public, not private. It had to be legal illegal and it had to be sufficient cause. And then secondly, uh, she then went and remarried someone or didn't. You could never remarry her again. Under the new covenant, Mark 10 and verse 11, uh, Jesus states that a woman could divorce her husband as well as a husband divorce his wife. Two grounds uh, for divorce were permitted. Uh, you have in Matthew 19 and verse 9, where it says, uh, except for the cause of pornea, and that important Greek word, as uh, anyone uh, who who knows in terms of Greek scholarship, it's a rubber band word. It simply means any sexual unclean outside of the marriage covenant, so that would include uh, someone addicted to pornography, someone involved in sodomy, bestiality, etc. And then in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, you have the Apostle Paul Uh, extending that to the issue of desertion. Thus, in verse 15, if the unbeliever wants to depart, let him depart. There's no longer any covenant yoking involved at that point. In verse 39, you can remarry in the Lord. It's the same as a a husband or wife dying. Now, the New Testament points out um, that, uh, with the words of Jesus, that marriage looked at from the perspective of creation— was supposed to be one man with one woman for one life. But the fall of man, described by Jesus as the hardness of heart, uh, is what explains why marriages don't last and why they break. But redemption uh, is how we offer to couples who are having marital uh, difficulty. You've got to do a lot of counseling. I've sat in front of couples and wept with them and said, look, I'm going to fight for your marriage. Maybe you don't want to fight for it, but I will fight for it. I will fight for your children. And by the grace of God, uh, many things can be done. And as I said, for 24 years, God was gracious. We never saw a divorce uh, in the two churches I pastored. But today, the reason why divorce is happening again and again, and why Christian leaders are divorced, I don't know uh, if... uh, is it Joe? Can I call you Joe?
1: First, yeah, let me, uh, let me go ahead. It's okay to call you Joe, right?
2: Right, right. Uh, this is one reason when I met with Walter Martin and the board, and they wanted me to come on board as the associate director and to become the Bible Answer Man, I had to ask him, is it true you've been divorced twice, and this is your third marriage? And when he said yes and explained why and how, Uh, That was one of the reasons I declined uh, to uh, move to California and be involved in that ministry. I didn't feel right about that. And then Mr. Hanegraaff, uh, who's also divorced, then took uh, the Bible Answer Man. Here in California, I find it almost now the norm Mm -hmm. for pastors to be married two, three times since they've been pastoring.
1: Well, we're we're out of time, but... uh uh let's uh, go ahead and, and um, take uh in, in just a moment uh you're each going to get two and a half minutes to uh to uh, re- rebut one another and then we'll uh we'll go into our regular discussion and a few phone calls as well but uh no need for you guys to uh start queuing up now unless you just want to be on hold you like being on hold and listening in stereo for uh about uh, seven to ten minutes um 3149696300 is the number if you want to call anyway but just know that you'll be put on hold for an awful long time. And uh the uh, gentleman on my uh, my right, your left is Dan David and we'll uh, let him uh, say a word and uh Pastor Joseph Webb is with us uh Dr. Mori, I'm going to go ahead and and I'm going to let you hang on the the line. I put one of you on hold just so you know you guys can run around and talk to people or whatever it has to be But, uh, uh, Joseph Webb, you heard Dr. Morey, and Dr. Morey, you heard uh, Joseph Webb. So uh, let's go ahead, uh, uh, Pastor Webb, and uh, we'll we'll start uh, two minutes with you starting right now.
0: Well, I want to say, first of all, that I know the people listening today are going to feel like they're trying to drink out of a fire hydrant. So much information is coming out at once, and I agree with Dr. Bob that we need to uh, make known to them that we have our book, Till Death Do Us Part, and we're only scratching the surface when we present these truths that we're talking about. And uh, I uh, I have not read Dr. Bob's book on uh, world and life and view, uh, creation, fall, and redemption. But uh, the difficulty I have with it is what we're actually saying is that we cannot expect more out of those who are in Christ Jesus than those that were in the Old Testament. And uh, that we have to give more allowance today than they did back there in the Old Testament if they divorced, uh, or excuse me, if they committed adultery, they stoned them to death. Today, they separate them. But uh, there's a verse in Acts, the 17th chapter, and the 30th verse that tells the difference between Old Testament and New Testament truth. It said, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at. God allowed many things in the Old Testament, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Jesus Christ is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the total alphabet, the total expression of God to mankind. So man no longer needs to say that he's in ignorance or he didn't know because it's an open book test. And it is God's grace is not getting getting away with whatever you want to do. It's the power to know and do God's will. When I became a Christian, I came out of a very uh, rough, tough world where I saw my friends go to reform school and prison. There were habits in my life that I had not been able to break. But when I invited Christ to in my life, he gave me grace that set me free from those things of the past. And this is what grace is all about. It's not now that I'm in grace that I can do whatever I want to do and violate God's principles because God said that let your yes be yes and your no, no, and anything beyond that is sin. When uh, Dr. Bob was talking about uh, the mass divorce in Ezra, God had in the Old Testament what were called forbidden marriages, a man with a man, a woman with a woman, a mother with a son, a father with a daughter, and also for the Jews to marry outside of their people was a forbidden marriage because God had married them and said they were to keep to themselves. And so when the time came, it wasn't that he had allowed divorce he did not recognize those marriages and realize that they were in sin. And Ezra said, we can't have revival until you get rid of these wives, strange wives and children.
1: Yeah, hey, I wish we had more time. i let you go over a little bit, because uh, what you're saying is good. But, uh, Dr. Morey, it's, uh, it's your turn, and, and, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you to uh, work out your differences in about uh, three minutes. Go ahead, sir.
2: Since it is a proven fact that God did command the putting away, which is the same Hebrew is found in Deuteronomy 24, meaning divorce. God did command divorce in such passages as Ezra 9 and elsewhere. Divorce cannot in principle, that is, principe, be a sin, because God cannot be the author of sin. God never commands us to do that which is evil or sinful. Secondly, since God did, as a matter of fact, give acceptable grounds for divorce, both the old and then under Jesus in Matthew 19, where he said, except for, cornea. Thus, God regulates divorce and makes it as hard as possible, but we cannot say that divorce in principle is sin because God is not the author of sin. So in terms of our first point, when we're discussing divorce, we're not discussing something that is intrinsically evil or sin, for God himself commanded it, allowed it, and regulated under different covenants. Matthew 19 will stand the full weight of this, because when Jesus responded to the Pharisees, and I'm glad uh, Mr. Pastor Webb knows about the intertestamental literature, that's one of my specialities, dealing with the Hillel and the Shema, and they asked the question, can a man divorce his his wife for any and all causes? Of course, Jesus' answer was no.
1: All right. uh, Coming up, uh, we're going to uh, let you two have a little chat with each other.
2: I live in California, where I not only have to face ministers who have been married multiple times, and they're very powerful and very rich, do their thing with big churches, and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So I have to preach against that. But also, I have to deal with the fact that of, of up to 50% of the marriages today are broken. People have already remarried. And we have to deal with this situation in terms of, of the redemption which is in Christ. So the Protestant view, which I believe, as I've read the Reformers, came from their exegetical treatment of Scripture, from their study of the Word, leads me to say that marriage is a contract into which one enters after very serious contemplation. I require a lot of premarital counseling before I will marry a couple. I will not marry a believer and an unbeliever. I will marry two unbelievers or two believers because it is not a church a sacrament. But what we have to be careful is Matthew 19 When Jesus said, except for, pornea, that means there are exceptions in principle. He did not say only, if you check the Greek, I have it in front of me, so he wasn't saying there's only one ground. He's saying, except for, for example, pornea, then divorce and remarriage would be, in the eyes of of the Protestant church, acceptable. So Matthew 19 becomes my most important passage. I do not feel you dealt with it hermeneutically or
0: exegetically uh, properly in your book. And that's really where the line is drawn. Dr. Bob, if if you take that position that it means any kind of sexual immorality, then all a woman has to do is look at her husband's eyes and she sees a sparkle in his eye that he has looked at some other woman with lust. That marriage is broken and she is free to remarry. Well, because that was the in this point. Whatsoever.
2: Well, see, no, this is verse 3. Is it lawful? Now, for a man is in italics, because it's not in the Greek,
0: to divorce his wife for any cause at all. Well, that's because, now, the that means, my, as no, you know, has frivolous. every kind of reason in the world.
2: Yeah, this is frivolous, but it must be a sufficient weight that the, the, the guy or the, the woman or the, the husband or the wife thinks it's sufficient. But poronia, in its usage in the rabbinic literature, particularly taking the rabbinic literature in in regard, means sexual uncleanness outside of the marriage covenant. And hence, we get our word pornography from it. Uh, We get our, it would apply, it's a rubber band word. So looking at it in its historical context, it was a word which meant any kind of sexual impropriety.
0: You know, Outside I bring that out in my book, Dr. Bob, that it is, there is a broad use of it. Flea fornication means any kind of sexual uncleanness whatsoever, which would include lusting after other women or other men, but it, there's also the specific narrow use where the, decide, where the Pharisees said to Jesus, we be not born of fornication. They didn't mean we be not born of bestiality or homosexuality. Uh, if if we we're going to talk about the circumstances of situation ethics today, that all the pastors on the West Coast are... Divorced and remarried, and you have to live with that situation. Then maybe Lot should have gone ahead and so uh, uh, turned his daughters over into lesbianism back in that day, because they had all swept away. Maybe he should have become a sodomite himself. Uh, a couple well, of questions.
1: L- let me ask just one question here for, for both of you. Spiro Zodiati says that uh, we did the interview with him. If if uh, uh, a woman comes home and catches her husband watching a porno movie, or or uh, he has a, a a girly magazine under the bed or something. Uh, he is guilty of, of uh, adultery, and uh, go ahead and leave the guy. In fact, it sounded like he was, he was encouraging women to leave men who are uh, caught in that situation.
0: Well, Al, that's because, you see, what we're dwelling on here today is that it, it's sin, does it? Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about the covenant. God says that marriage is a covenant. As soon as Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, God immediately spoke up and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be... One flesh, and then Jesus reiterated that. He said, and what God has joined together, no man may separate. No man may separate someone who's joined together. And it says that there to be until one or the other dies. If any, either one of them marries again before one or the other dies... They are committing adultery, and you should call them adulterers and adulteresses. I didn't say it. Hmm. Paul said it because he's not talking just about the sin. He's talking about the fact that they have violated, not broken, but violated a covenant. God can separate. When God commanded divorce, Mm -hmm. he
2: regulated divorce. We are to follow God's ordinances in this regard. Again, I would say the first step, as I said, having pastored for 24 years, the first step is not throw your husband or wife out. The first step is to get involved in counseling and heal your marriage. And I think uh, uh, now, Joe and Dr. I would Bobby, both agree on is, that. The covenant number is broken. One. Number two. How can two. they put it back together? And yeah. Well, number one it's to heal what's there, sweet and sour marriage. I have tapes on this, everything. Then number two, we have to recognize that there are marriages that are in circumstances in which the marriage is hopelessly broken, Then you have first Corinthians, and there is the option of looking to see if there's biblical ground. So I had a woman um, who wanted to divorce her husband because she wasn't happy, Mm -hmm. and of course, happiness God could care less. He wants you holy, Mm -hmm. not happy. Amen. And I told her, if you do that, I will excommunicate you and deliver you unto Satan publicly. And she knew that I would do that, Mm -hmm. so she didn't. But what you have is this. Jesus clearly gave an exception. If you want to limit it to pornea and you don't want to stretch the rubber band as far as what the word can have a broad meaning, the point is that in principle, Jesus is saying there are situations where there will be valid reasons to break that covenant relationship. So you can the Greek of the passage cannot be avoided. I guess, I'm sure you know Bill Gothard. I was talking with yes. Bill Gothard, and I pointed out to him that while he ran to the Old Testament to try to prove you couldn't eat rabbits and things of this nature, mm-hmm. uh, when it came to you had to remarry the person that you had divorced, he violated Deuteronomy 24. You can't remarry her once you have divorced her. That was to show... The seriousness of this, and to protect the woman in particular, that you couldn't just dump her out because you had a
0: fight.
1: What's you uh, know,
0: but but this God is the important. importance. That's why uh, God the Father himself separated himself from that teaching in Jeremiah 3.
1: Let, let's go to the telephones here because Victoria has been hanging on and she's got to be the most patient person on earth. Victoria, welcome to Mornings with Tim and Al, without Tim, but with Dan and with uh, Dr. Robert Morey and Joseph Webb.
3: Good morning. Good morning. I would like to challenge both of you. What is the bottom line? In my life, I lived with an alcoholic for 24 years, praying for the day that he would change. 24 years. I was in danger of my life and my children's lives. I put the guns up with the sheriff. Um, I uh, I finally had no resort but to file for a divorce. And um, the sheriff uh, served this to him. He was drinking, drunk, or whatever, he called me on the phone and told me that I must pull out those papers. I said I couldn't, that God would take care of him. He said, Sarah and goodbye. I left uh, the town where I was to go to another city for safety. When I got there, there was bad news. I thought perhaps he had done something to my son, but my husband had hung himself in a garage. He almost at one time accepted the Lord, got so close, I don't know. I feel the devil killed him before he ever, ever did, uh, you know, get help or find the Lord. I am so confused. I had one son tell me at one point that I should have divorced that man before uh, before he was born.
1: Hmm. What do you? Uh, uh, boy, that, that's a tough one. Why don't we let uh, Joseph Webb start, and then uh, Dr. Morey, uh, uh,
0: you can. Victoria, I can tell you of a pastor's wife who found out that her husband had had a harem in almost every church he was in. And uh, he was finally put out of the pulpit when they finally found out he was running around with a secretary. Mm. Uh, Her statement was, he has violated his covenant, but I can't violate mine. He will have to answer to God. And a few years later, this man had cancer of the groin and was crying in his bed saying, oh, the wages of sin, the wages of sin. And this woman cared for him lovingly until the day he died because she knows that she has, God keeps single column books. Mm -hmm. What he did, he'll have to answer for. What she did... She'll have to answer for, and she was faithful to God. And consequently, her sons who had turned away from the Lord because of their father's actions, turned back to the Lord and said, We saw Jesus Christ in our mother Mm. the way she cared for our father, even though he didn't deserve it. And that's what grace is all about. Mm. It's not about being able to be free and go do what we want to do. It's to be willing to pay the price. And I and I have counseled couples in the past when they've gone through what you've gone through, Victoria. Separate, but just recognize you—you you are still married to him—and stay single until you can be. There can be reconciliation. But in our churches today, they say go down to our stud pool down there and pick you out a new one, and uh, they call it a singles ministry. I say, if it's singles, why do they have babysitting? All they're doing is pooling a bunch of people with burning passions, rubbing them, running them together, and wondering why they're ending, ending up with the divorce and remarriage rate within our evangelical church is seven percent higher than the unchurched world. I take my hat off to you and salute you that you were faithful in spite of the fact it wasn't easy. I know God's going to honor you for it.
1: Uh, Dr. Mori, it's your turn.
0: Well, you see, there's a difference in
2: Scripture where it brings up the ideal. Like, my little children, I don't want you to sin. Now, that is the ideal, that you'll not sin, I'll not sin, none of us will ever sin again. But then the Scripture goes on to recognize that reality, having a reality check means that the ideal is often not realized in this world. So in First Corinthians seven, he gives the ideal in verse ten, the wife should not be husband. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal. But if you look in verse eleven, the very first word but but if she has to leave. In other words, God recognizes we as believers want the ideal marriage, the ideal relationship. But there are sometimes uh, situations that you have to leave. So if a woman is being beaten, if her life is in danger, if her children are being molested, Mm -hmm. if he has deserted her sexually, financially, emotionally, uh, if there's abuse, she needs to go to the elders of the church They need to try to follow Matthew 18 in this situation, Mm -hmm. and there are situations where the church would say, you have to leave, because the moral law, thou shalt not kill, takes precedent over such institutions as marriage, because marriage is not a moral law. There is no oddness.
1: All All right, let's go. We've got one uh, one minute here with Mary. I wish we had more time, but... uh... Uh, when we get to heaven time will be no more and we can discuss this thing well then we want well, to discuss well i just this. wanted
3: to quickly ask yeah. um it sounds like this, dr Moore, bob is uh compromising he's saying what if people have been married and they already come into the church well you can leave someone you don't have to and if the if the marriage is so horrible leave them and leave a life of spiritual solvency but the remarrying is is to, i know it's wrong i know that the the reverend is totally right and uh mm-hmm. i when you say Oh, what about people who, uh, who have already been married? That's just like saying, the people that say, "Oh, uh, you were raped, so it's okay to kill your baby."
1: Uh, good it's point.: Yeah, Thank you, Mary. Uh, and let me ask you this, too. And, and this is an area that I don't that, that I'm, I'm asking for, for my benefit as well. Uh, you, you'll get a guy who is a rounder who's, who's got a new uh, girl every uh, night of his life, and, uh, and then he gets married. Now, if, if he had been divorced once uh it's it, he's got the scarlet uh, letter around his neck and yet you could have had a guy who was uh, who was uh, uh immoral as can be and uh he settles down he gets married and uh, everything seems to be just fine
0: that's the proof of the covenant al that's the proof that we're talking about a covenant you see there are fornicators people mm-hmm. who are fornicators run around like an alley cat yep and they repent of that and they quit it god forgives them they get married so, it hasn't, that hasn't got to do with the sin. It has to do with the covenant. God is a God of covenants. And when somebody enters into a covenant, it is like the salt covenant in the Old Testament. It is for life until one or the other partner dies. And God says, Adulterers and fornicators, I will judge. Who is an adulterer? Whoever divorces his wife and marries another. Now, the permission that was given in the Old Testament, God himself separated himself from that. He said, I, that's not the way I operate. Israel, you're my wife. You have violated this covenant. But if you'll just come back, I'll take you back because you are still my wife. And do you notice something? God never has gotten remarried.
1: If uh, you would like a copy of uh, Joseph Webb's book, Till Death Do Us Part, how do we get a copy of it?
0: Either through uh, Barnes & Noble or uh, if they write to me and let me know they heard it on your program, Al, I will send them the book and a uh, free tape, a 92-minute tape teaching tape, to Webb Ministries Inc., Web Ministries, Inc., Post Office Box 520729, Longwood, Florida, 32752-0729. And I want to tell you, I appreciate it so much, being able to talk to Dr. Morey. He's a gentleman, and uh, I can tell he's a scholar. And uh, I wish sometime we could really sit down and share more of these things, because... Uh, God's going to have to raise up more people who are going to stand for righteousness in this day because there's no difference between the church and the world in this area today, and God's going to have to set a new standard.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Joseph Webb. And, uh, Dr. Moore, you've got 30 seconds.
0: Yeah,
2: 1-800-4-1-TRUTH, one is T-R-U-T-H, and they can get a hold of the catalog and order introduction to defending the faith. So they can also ask about uh, such tapes of uh, dealing with marriage, and we will get back to them on that. Or our website, dot faithdefenders.com, faithdefenders.com, the difference between Pastor Weber and myself, we both believe in marriage, we both hate divorce, we both believe in standing up for righteousness, we both... Do everything in our power to fight the corruption in the church and out of the church. The difference has to do with accepting the words of Jesus in Matthew 19, and he doesn't.
1: All right, you've. Uh, uh, thank you, guys, both.